Bless the Lord who forgiveth all our sins. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of thy Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love thee and worthily magnify thy holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ saith, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. During the singing of um, the Kyrie, I would invite the children to follow Miss Sharon out for Children's Chapel. Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O Almighty God, who alone canst order the unruly wills and affections of sinful men, grant unto thy people that they may love the thing which thou hast commandest, and desire that which thou dost promise. That so among the sundry and manifold changes of the world our hearts may surely there be fixed, where true joys are to be found, through Jesus Christ our Lord who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Please be seated for the readings. A reading from Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior, they lay down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people the people whom I formed for myself, so that they might declare my praise. The word of the Lord. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, then were we like those who dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, 
and we were glad indeed. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses of the nave. Those who are sowed with tears, they will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying the seed, will come again with joy, shouldering their sheaves. A reading from Philippians, chapter 3, 4b through 14. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God, based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ according to John. Glory, Glory to, you, to you, Lord Christ. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of hard nard, anointed Jesus' feast, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. 
Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Take my words and speak through them. Take our ears and hear through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you, our Lord and our Redeemer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Why was Judas chosen as a disciple when Jesus knew he would betray him? Why was Judas so vile to Mary for applying perfume to Jesus' feet? What did Jesus know that others may not have known? I want to take a moment and talk about Judas, but he's really not the most important part of this gospel reading. Jesus selected Judas because this was part of God's plan. It was done so that the prophecies of old would be fulfilled. Jesus gives us the first hint that he would be betrayed while he was speaking to a large crowd of followers. He said, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that did not believe and who it was that was going to betray him. Jesus' choosing Judas was found in John 13, chapters 18 through 22, and it reads, I do not speak of all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but that is the scripture that, is the scripture that may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. As it continues, he said, he became troubled in spirit and said, truly, truly, I say to you that you are the one who will betray me. The disciples started looking at one another at a loss, trying to figure out who he was speaking about. The prophecy that Jesus quoted is in Psalm 41, 9. And his statement reveals why he has selected Judas. And then in John 17, it tells us that Judas was the son of perdition. While I was with them, I was keeping them in thy name, which thou hast given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. The Greek word for perdition is apolia, and it means destroying or utter destruction. 
perdition is defined as the state of eternal punishment you experience after death if you are a sinful person who does not repent. Hell is an example of perdition. So why did Jesus choose Judas? The major reason is to fulfill prophecy. Jesus knew that Judas would betray him. Jesus could have chosen someone else to be a disciple, but then the scripture would not have been fulfilled. This is an important lesson for Christians. Just because somebody says they're a Christian doesn't mean they are a Christian. An opportunity would be missed if my homily focused only on Judas, but that was my original intent. But Mary's testimony and model offer valuable perspectives that deeply desire our attention. So let's turn to Mary. I'm going to set the scene. A few days before this event in today's gospel, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Mary was angry with Jesus for not being there sooner. But she changed her tune once Lazarus was with her again and with their family. Also at this time, Passover is also near, and so too is Jesus' hour. Jesus spends some time of his remaining time with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus soon after that previous pivotal scene of Lazarus's new life after being raised from the dead. That event in Jesus' ministry was a sign that brought many to believe in him, many people to flock to him, while others were plotting his death. When Jesus mentioned his own burial, this confirms that his end is coming. Yet Lazarus' presence at the table confirms that death does not speak the final word. God is more powerful than death. Mary's gift exceeds extravagance. She chooses to anoint Jesus' feet with a pound of perfume valued at about the yearly income of a manual laborer at the time. Mary also displays good taste. Scholars can agree about whether the detail concerning Mary's hair lends an erotic air to the washing of Jesus' feet, although I think it's impossible to hear the story today without slightly raising an eyebrow. At the very least, the description of Mary's hair and her actions of anointing Jesus' feet implies profound intimacy. If the fragrance of her perfume fills the house, the gentle touch of her locks has to touch Jesus' sensations. It is that expression of deep love that Mary has for Jesus that those watching could hardly ignore or find ordinary. This type of intimacy in that era was reserved for couples, married couples. But this whole scene 
offends at least one of the onlookers. Judas breaks in. Does he regret losing the chance to pilfer from the 300 denarii? Or is it Mary's lavish love that is too disturbing to watch? We can understand the economic and charitable logic of the words beneath Judas's criticism. But we should also recognize that it resembles a rigorous, unyielding piety that cannot stomach the wild love like Mary's. Acts of true grace and love regularly get slandered as deviants. Jesus' response to Judas sounds surprisingly gentle, given all the ways this passage sets up Judas, the disciple, as a villain. Jesus speaks more to us, to those who wonder if Mary's apparent recklessness Recklessness sets a dangerous precedent when he says, you always have the poor with you. Jesus does not diminish the seriousness of poverty and the great need for charitable gifts to support the poor. The anointing for burial is like a short disruption as Jesus looks forward to his death, contrasting his impending departure from his disciples and this world with the perpetual opportunity to serve the poor. The anticipation of Jesus' death makes a deed like Mary's strangely appropriate because her actions emanate from love and express understanding about Jesus and what he must do for us. Think about this gospel reading in ways beyond words, speaking, and reading. Does grace have a scent? It can be worth the effort to reflect on Jesus and his work in terms of meaningful smells and sensations. Rudyard Kipling wrote, smells are surer than sounds or sights to make your heartstrings crack. And then the pairing of Mary and Judas in the gospel creates a rhetoric of contrast. Mary and Judas contrast true and false discipleship, as well as true and false love. The sweet fragrance of the perfume strikes a contrast to Jesus' death and burial, the stench of death. Our view of the scene cannot ignore the gloom. Mary does not anoint Jesus as a king or a messiah. She anoints a corpse. If the beautiful sin and ugly crucifixion seem dissimilar, then we are on to John's strange logic whereby Jesus is lifted up upon the cross so that he might attract all to himself. Lavish devotion contrasts critical stingness 
This passage gives permission to honor Jesus in extravagant ways, perhaps even giving a mass donation to the poor. This passage warns against mistaking discipline for discipleship. It embraces affection as a part of devotion to Jesus that is nothing less than the costly, precious gift of one's whole self, even down to the every last strand of hair. Amen. to stand as you are able and let us affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Amen.